how do you set priorities? There are always a hundred things you could do in life. How do you decide what to give your energy and time to? And so many tensions, I think, in marriage are because the husband and wife want to put their energies in different places or, or see their priorities differently. Welcome to the Keswick Convention Podcast. I'm your host, James Carey, and I'm really excited because for the second time on My Watch, I have not just one guest, but two, Adrian and Celia Reynolds, who've been married for 30 years. They have three daughters and three grandchildren. Adrian serves as an Associate National Director for the Fellowship of Evangelical Churches and is also a leader at Christchurch Harborough, where Celia works part-time as a women's worker at church, as well as in the home. They've written several books on marriage and sexual intimacy, and are running a couple of seminars during week three in this year's convention on faithfulness in the home, faithful in marriage. Adrian and Celia, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Celia, I'm going to start with you, if that's all right. I would like to know how you met Adrian, uh, how he proposed to you, and why did you marry him? Oh, goodness. (laughs) Um, well, we met at a Crusader class when we were both teenagers in South End. So we we're both Essex boy and girl. And um, yeah, we started going out when I just turned 16 and he was still 14. So we were both very young. Controversial. And at what point did this uh, become marriage? Uh, so we got married six years later. Um, so, yeah, went through our teenage years, went to uni- different universities um, and then got married in 1991. And if you can bear to say, I suspect there are others you could have married. Why did you marry Adrian? Um, well, we were really good friends even before we started going out. and We just enjoyed the same kind of things. He was always very good at talking. I'm waiting for her to say rugged good looks, but she hasn't said it yet. Um, yes. Yeah, we just enjoyed each other's company. And it was it was good in many ways just growing up together and um, in our formative years of church life and uh, starting up together as young people. Um, Friendship is that much underrated thing at the start, isn't it? Um, I'm going to go to you now, Adrian, and put you on the spot. How did you propose? And uh, what do you remember of your wedding day? I proposed by cooking Celia a meal. I think steak, or it might have been buffon croute, um, but oh. something exotic. And um, I wooed her with my extraordinary cooking skills, which have yet to be replicated again. And um, it was an, an evening. It wasn't that romantic. It was an evening as my, um, my parents were out. So I cooked her a meal at my parents' house and got down on one knee and... Um, proposed that's how it all happened yeah and what was it was it also friendship um for for, for celia as well i'm just trying to think because it's obviously a really big commitment you know you, you don't rush into these things what was it about celia that well i uh, i mean first of all i fancied her which i think okay quite, that's quite important i noticed she didn't say that but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she met meant it without saying it um so i just thought she'd be the looker and um, I enjoyed being with her. Um, I laughed at things. Um, she laughed at me, I think, rather than with me. But, we, you know, we, we laughed together. We had fun together. And all those things are really important. It wasn't, um, you know, sometimes friendships can be very intense, can't they? And um, almost overpowering. But we just, we just have fun together. 
And um, that's, I think, why we decided to spend the rest of our lives together. And as for wedding day... Um, oh, please, yes. What do I remember about the wedding day? Um, it was hot. I don't remember a huge amount. I've, I've got to the stage, James, where my life seems to be, in terms of um, things in my head, one in, one out. Um, <laughs> okay. So um, I, I remember some things about the wedding day. I remember when it was and where it was. I just barely remember what we sang and what I wore. And then I live off Celia's memories of all the things that she would have done differently if we did it all over again. I guess there's a metaphor there though as well, isn't it? In the sense that the thing that seems incredibly important at the time, uh, 30 years on, uh, doesn't possibly seem as significant. And there were other things that were more significant that you look back on and, uh, and think differently um, about. Um, and we remember different things. And, um, and that's the way it goes, isn't it? So we were just talking the other day um, it was our daughter's birthday yesterday, in fact, one of our daughters, and um, our youngest daughter was asking us what time she was born and what time the other daughters were born. Well, I had no, I had no idea what time the children were born. Celia remembers stuff like that, as, as mums do. But equally, there are other things that I remember that Celia doesn't. So I think, I think between us, our shared memories are pretty good. They're just not, they're just not identical. And it was a long time ago. It was. It was. Most of us uh, who are married would probably be very reluctant to give advice to other couples on marriage and, uh, and faithfully raising children. Um, so, Celia, how, how did you get over that? Because obviously this is part of your ministry and your life. And what has God been teaching you about yourself through this ministry uh, to, to marry people? I think we, we've sort of steered clear of giving advice. <laughs> That's how we've got around it. Um, I think we've both realised that actually the best way to help couples is for them to work things out for themselves. Um, so we, we'd give principles on things and, you know, point them towards what the Bible teaches. But in each different marriage, it will look very different. And I think the danger with... Um, having a, a ministry where you sort of say, do things like we do, it's actually not going to work for other couples in their situation. Um, so we, we have tried to steer clear for, clear of giving advice in that sense. Um, and I think it's the same with uh, parenting as well, you mentioned. Um, I think it's very easy for, for marriage, married people or parents to kind of go on a guilt trip if they come to a seminar about these things because they realise all the things that maybe they they're doing wrong so we've tried to be really positive as well and trying to encourage couples to think about the positive things in their marriage even if they're having a difficult time and then see how they can work on those um, and develop them more really so yeah be positive I think personally we've always answered the set the questions that the couples who come to the seminars are being asked ourselves so we've always like worked on our own marriage during the the things we've done which has been really helpful uh, just for us to have time to talk these things through and see what it feels like to to be on the other side of that so that um yeah we can kind of help couples to to spend time talking and listening to each other and I, I think that recognizes that seasons change all the time circumstances change so it's very difficult very different being married and not having children to being married and having children for example and as your children grow up or as you go through health issues or have aged parents seasons are changing all the time so I think we've always felt that if we can give people tools and principles to help them apply what the bible has to say actually they'll be better off than just someone saying well this is the way you raise a two-year-old or this is the way you deal with a um, you know a, a parent who's sick or whatever it is so that, that's always been our strategy really 
I guess you're involved in all kinds of ministry. You're not just um, uh, concerned with with marriage necessarily. But I guess there was a time when um, it sounds like you were raised uh, in the faith through crusaders and, and things like that. I gather you went off to um, to work for a pharmaceutical company at some point. You went to university. Was there a plan for your life that wasn't ministry? What did that look like? Yeah, ministry was never really part of the plan at all. So I yeah. I trained initially as a chartered accountant and did some work for the serious fraud office, did some forensic accounting, investigating, and then worked as an economist and a, a, almost an organisational consultant for a pharmaceutical company. So I had 10 plus years in business, I guess. You did all that in 10 years. That's extraordinary. <laughs> yes. I never stayed very long anywhere. And I thought I might get found out. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And, and then it got to the stage, probably about 31, that sort of age, um, when I, I think we both came to the realization that actually, um, you know, I, I was doing a lot of ministry on the side, if you like, and we felt that perhaps we should be doing that full time. And we talked to some friends, talked to our church, and it just seemed a very natural and obvious thing to do. So I, I basically had 10 years, I guess, in the business world um, before going into ministry. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't it was never originally part of the plan. Um, and we we enjoyed life while we weren't in ministry. But here we are. We're enjoying it even more. And how is that ministry worked out for you how does it does it look like how you thought it would and I think that's a good question I, I think my heart has always been in pastoral ministry um and there have been other things that I've done which have at various times become a greater or lesser you know proportionate of what I do so I've always been serving in churches even when I've been doing other things so I, I work for the proclamation trust training preachers for eight years I've now been working with the FIC for, well, um, four and a half years, something like that. But I, I've always been a leader in a church as well and wanted to be stuck in. I, I, I enjoy music, so I, I love doing music in church. Um, I love being part of a small group and all those kinds of things. So I think the sort of the pastoral service is always right at the heart of what I've, I've wanted to try and do um, along, alongside other things. So I, I feel I'm immensely privileged being able to do that and some of the other things that I enjoy. It just feels like a like a dream life really in many ways I, I think um there are things I find hard I, th I think I'm um I'm a fairly sensitive individual and I think um you know pastors seem to fall into two camps don't they those who are very thick-skinned and those who are thin-skinned um I, I personally think the ones who are thin-skinned make better pastors I would say that because that's me <laughs> um so I think at times it's bruising um and you know you, you can feel sometimes like you're bruised and battered by life and circumstances and helping people all the time, some of whom are in real trouble. I, I find that wearying and, and draining, but immensely, immensely worthwhile. And what a joy to serve others. Mm, thank you. I mean, Celia, presumably you were marrying a guy who was going to go off and make some decent money, um, either through accountancy or via the serious fraud office or whatever. I don't quite know how this money was going to arrive. But And then he became uh, a minister and involved in ministry. How did you feel about that? How did that? How did your expectations have to change? Or could you see the writing on the wall 10 years before your husband could? I think we, we came to the decision definitely together. Um, and I think in some ways, once we'd sort of gone down that path, it, it just seemed so right that we, there were no regrets for loss of income or anything like that and and so many benefits really to us as a family as well in many ways um our lifestyle did change quite a, a lot but um I'd gone from Adrian not really being home very much at all with a busy job in the um you know working for Smith Klein Beach and to he, he was around at home he was 
um, had a, an office in the house. So the children saw him much more um, and it was something we could do together a, a lot more. So yeah, there were benefits really all round and that definitely outweighed the, the loss of income, <laughs> I think. That's so uh, yeah. So having your husband around is a plus. That that isn't obvious to everyone necessarily, but I'm pleased to hear that it was the case uh, for you. In terms of finding your own ministry that you do now, how did that grow from um, from the sort of the time you got married, having children, working for the church? How have you been able to discern your own gifts about how you can serve, or have you pretty much just done whatever's been put in front of you? Um, it's been varied really depending on the stage I mean I was at home with the children I did a little bit of paid work uh, when they went back to school and and then worked alongside Adrian at Proclamation Trust working with some of the female students so yes I've always sort of just fitted in with with what works around family life and I think not try trying not to do too much so that I am able to support Adrian in the ministry he's doing um, which I think was quite important to him keeping going really I think if I had taken on too much I think that would have been harder to to support him in his work I felt that that was kind of part of my role really to keep him keep him fed and watered and <laughs> and going so uh, Christians talk to you uh, probably about marriage and we've, we've talked that we're going to go back to that subject now and you've got some seminars coming up at the Keswick Convention this year and I guess we can have a bit of fun here with uh, with being able to see when when people come, what questions come up, uh, because no matter what area of expertise you are into, when you have a Q&A, the same three questions come up. Uh, for me, it's always what's your favorite sitcom? Where do you get your ideas from? So what are the two questions or the three questions uh, that come up uh, time and time again when you start talking about marriage? Well, I wish it was. What's your favorite sitcom? Where do you get your ideas from? That would seem... <laughs> That would seem wholly appropriate, really. <laughs> you can learn a lot about, I think, about marriage by watching sitcoms, probably. Oh, yes. No, you definitely could. There's a whole, I'm sure there's a good course in in that. There's the TV sitcom Outnumbered is certainly a yeah, how definitely. your kids will destroy you if you basically lie to them in order to uh, get out of an awkward situation. And it's a parenting masterclass, isn't it, really? Yes. Yeah. How <laughs> not to do it. Yeah. I, I think the question we have to address and get asked the most is about how do you how do you set priorities? How do you decide one thing over another? There are always a hundred things you could do in life. How do you decide what to give your energy and time to? And so many tensions, I think, in marriage are because the husband and wife want to put their energies in different places or, or see their priorities differently. So, so one might feel that more time needs to be given to the family and other feels like more time should be given to the church or to work and and the tensions that arise from that. So, so I think that question of how you actually make decisions about what you, what you do with limited amounts of time and money and energy, I think that's one of the biggest problems for all married couples. And what do you, okay, what do you say to those people? How do you make decisions? Because if you've both got a vote, then that's one all. Uh, and I don't know how you take that one down to a tiebreaker. Uh, how do you help in that situation? Well, Celia can talk about po the positive answer. We do give people a negative answer, first of all, which is we just um, slightly demolished that, um, you know, God comes first, then spouse, then family, then church, then work. Um, sort of priority order, because actually, if you apply that strictly, you just come up with some ridiculous answers. 
And um, actually, all of those things are important in their own right. And so actually having a having a hierarchy of priorities like that um, actually becomes self-defeating in the end and creates more tension. So, so we, we, we teach people that negatively. And then we, we encourage people to talk really, don't you say you want to say a bit about that? that yes. I'll take I've stolen your thunder. Well, uh, yes, I think I think you do have to learn to communicate with each other, and that means talking and listening and working things through. And so many in so many different areas in marriage that is key. And and not always coming to maybe the conclusion that you think you'll come to, but just being willing to to thrash it out sometimes <laughs> keep talking and, and keep trying to understand where the other person's coming from and, and we're great believers too in not being overly ambitious it all sounds very mediocre doesn't it but you know i think if if you've got five or six really big things in front of you just 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 work on one just just resolve to talk through and to pray through and to consider and get some advice on one and, and just work out what you're going to do next on that one thing i, I think Couples who are very ambitious in life and say, right, we've got 10 major things coming up in the next year. What are we going to do about them? I, I just think end up crashing and burning so often. I, I think, you know, some simplicity and no, it's not, not that you're not ambitious about life, but actually that you just you just look at the thing that's in front of you, that the Lord's put in front of you. And, and you, you seek to address that. Very often that's all couples can do. And actually it's 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 realistic, but also practical just to just just to narrow yourself down to one thing yeah that's really helpful and i think it's going back to where we started really isn't it that 30 years ago something else was very important and god willing if you are married uh you will be married for 30 40 50 60 years and that there is a season for this and a season for that and maybe you don't need to have a plan for how every season is going to work out um i mean we've just seen in the last 18 months what planning does uh it doesn't doesn't get you very far no, and you don't have you don't have to be married five years to know that's the case. Just in life, generally, really. <laughs> but in terms of um, in terms of that level of communication and talking, firstly, I, my my two questions are: one is how can uh, couples do that better? Because there never seems time, especially if there are kids. It's just like getting one kid fed, one kid to bed, getting a story read. Okay, um, I've got to finish off that work. I'm now exhausted. It's bedtime. I've got to be up early now, um, so I'm off to work. You know, it's just the passing ships is a very common phenomenon, um, unless there's a global pandemic where we all have to stare at each other um, in a slightly unexpected way. But short of a pandemic, how can maybe couples begin to talk? Uh, maybe a, a pointer on that. But secondly, in the local church context, how can we as churches, because the Keswick Convention is all about the local church, how can we facilitate those discussions as a church whilst also minding our own business? Uh, if you know what I mean. I think probably some of it is practical planning. Um, I mean, you mentioned the example of, of having children and how to find time together. And I think that's a real challenge, but um, being able to put some time in the diary. I mean, we we tried when ours were younger to, to try and go away together at least once a year. And, and that involves having other people who are willing to do some childcare for you. So I think that's when the local church can help as well. I mean, not necessarily to look after your children while you went away for a weekend, but I think there would be hopefully people in your church that might be able to take your children um, for a short while and then just to take take that time to uh, to actually sit down and talk. Um, yeah. So yeah, a bit of forward planning, I think helps. Um, I think yeah. having that desire to, to do it as well, that's something to pray for really. 
um, to actually want to spend time together. And I think that church family thing is really important and it maybe will come into what you're saying, Adrian, but actually in churches, we're rooting for each other and we want to help each other. And there's quite a good chance that people would like to look after your children for a while because, you know, they like them. That's exactly right. And, and I, I think a healthy local church is one where everybody's being looked out for. And that includes actually couples very often who might seem to have it all together, the perfect life, you know, 2.4 children. But actually, they need help as well. They need someone to maybe to help look after the kids while they get some time away. And um, I mean, even if you're not particularly ambitious, it's just an afternoon or an evening. You know, you just book a night in a, I don't know, a premier in somewhere and someone just has the kids for one night. You just get a chance to get away, have a meal, talk about one or two things. I think that's really I think that's really precious time. I, I think also in church, James, we, we need to value couples who have been married a long time more. So I think. Um, that there's a sense in which um, so uh, all the churches I've been in, when when people have significant birthdays, we, we all you know we we get a cake after church, we sing them happy birthday, you know, um, Auntie Dora's eighty or Uncle Joe's ninety or something, and, and and we celebrate that, and that's a good thing to do. But I think we need to celebrate long marriages as well. And um, I I don't recall ever going to a church where we celebrated all together wedding anniversaries um, of 40, 50 years. But actually, those couples who've been married fifty years, they've got a huge amount of experience. Um, and wisdom to give to younger married couples and I, and I think we need to value that more we seem to have this idea in church don't we that it's sort of the younger go-getters who have all the have all the ideas and all, all, all the you know the inspiration but actually those couples that have been married let's say 50 years uh, you know they've been through it all they've had tough times and they've worked through it they've had maybe children they've had grandchildren they remember what it was like they remember the joys and the sorrows and they've stayed faithful and I think I want to be hearing from them in church I want to be learning from them and I think as, as a church leader, I want to be saying to others in the church, don't talk to us, go and talk to them. They've got much more experience than we've got. That's really helpful and really practical as well, because I have to say, you know, with my Church of England hat on, if there's one thing that we have in the Church of England, it's older people. Uh, we have have lots. Uh, and so there's so much wisdom there uh, and we, we can tease that out. And again, I guess we want to encourage them because they're not the experts either they would say oh i don't know we know i just we just sort of muddled through to which the answer is how <laughs> how did you muddle through and sometimes uh, and it's, we... it's very encouraging to hear that people just muddled through i, I think yeah. even in that you know there's an encouragement you know people you, know, you sort of think about a, I mean, a, a difficult issue that parents face let's say children teenage years and having trouble with children teenage years you know to hear to hear an older couple say well it was tough for us and i don't know how we made it but we just we just made it through we kept praying and we we muddled on and we made it well that in itself is an encouragement because when you feel lost and at sea and you haven't got an answer for things sometimes it's good to hear from someone else that actually they didn't have any answers either but look at look here they are they're still going mm. that's such a helpful resource especially to the pastor who is already feeling tired and under pressure and living in a bit of a goldfish bowl it's like well you can actually throw this one to to, to some some folk who maybe aren't doing other things necessarily and this is this could be their thing. They could be a real blessing. What a what a great bit of uh, wisdom and insight. Thank you uh, for that. Let's just look ahead to the Keswick Convention. Uh, a couple of sessions there. What kind of material will you be uh, covering for us there, uh, just to give us a, a sense of uh, of what's to come? We really want. We've only got a couple of sessions. We we really want. Um, I mean, couples to come if possible. But uh, 
Um, if only one could come, that's fine as well. We, we really want people to come and, and to learn how faithfulness in marriage affects every part of married life. We tend to reduce faithfulness in marriage to what we think of in terms of sexual integrity. Um, and that's a part of it, of course, but it's only a small part of it, actually. Uh, what we want to do is to encourage couples to think about how faithfulness in their marriage affects their own spiritual lives, their walk with Christ, how it affects them in how they use their home, how they serve the Lord together, how they um, parent together in certain circumstances, if they have children, how they um, live life together, how they relax together. We, we, want to show, we want to show really how faithfulness is this holistic idea in marriage and how, how a truly faithful marriage, which is fixed on Christ, really has benefits in all of those places. We, we're going to walk around the rooms of the house. That's how we're going to do it, we think. We're going to walk around the rooms of the house and say, look, look how wonderful faithfulness in marriage is in this room, in that room, in that room, and uh, tackle it that way. Six, we're going to try and do six rooms. So um, over two sessions. See how we get on. And it will be very much sort of people coming with the idea that they, they spend time talking and listening um, to each other rather than right. there being a lot of input. They'll, we'll kind yeah. of give them some stuff to, to discuss. So, uh, and they won't have to share anything personal. Yeah, that's, what, that's so always important. Not to put people off if they think they've got to come and bear all uh, they haven't. <laughs> If for some amazing reason we can't make it to the Keswick Convention, you've got some books out. Do you want to tell us about uh, one of those, maybe the most recent one? Okay, well, the most recent one we've written is called Closer, um, which having said that um, we, we often reduce faithfulness down to sexual integrity, it is actually about sexual purity and intimacy for married couples. Um, and there are lots of there are lots of worldly books, and in fact, lots of um, Christian books, especially in the States, on this subject. And you might think, why do we need another one? But there, actually, there are very few that are that are biblical, we think. So, again, what we've tried to do in the book is we've tried to set out some principles for um, enjoying sex and intimacy together as a married couple and leaving it to couples to, to work out exactly how they, they make the applications themselves. But say, here are the biblical principles. These are things you need to be pursuing. Um, in, in the hope and prayer, really, that um, this extraordinary bond um, and picture that God has given married couples will be something that couples can enjoy and delight in and, and pursue. It's called, it's called Closer and, um, yeah, it, by the Good Book Company. Brilliant. Well, we will put a link to that book in the show notes as well so uh, we can get some wisdom from you guys in, in book form as well. Thanks very much for sharing uh, something of your marriage uh, on this podcast as well as your wisdom on marriage too. Uh, we really look forward to being with you. And we look forward to being together at the Keswick Convention itself, uh, where we really do need each other, don't we? We need to be able to look each other in the eye and sing God's praises together. So uh, let's look forward to that. Thanks very much for being on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, this year's convention is very nearly upon us. And you may well have questions about how it's going to work this year. Go to the website, keswickministries.org. And there is an excellent section called Convention 2021 your questions answered you click faqs and you'll see loads and loads of questions and the answers to them so do make use of that i'm going to be there during week three so do come and say hello to me uh, if you would like to do that it would certainly be good to hear back from some podcast listeners so until then cheerio mm -hmm.